Hello and welcome to What Does the Bible Say? I'm your host, Dr. Wayne Davis. And in the last few episodes, we've been talking about verses in the New Testament that people interpret as saying that we do not need to keep the commandments, statutes, and judgments of God anymore, that I would call the Torah, but the New Testament translates as law. The word law is actually not a good translation of the word Torah. The word Torah means instruction. It's like the Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, tells Timothy that all scripture, every scripture, is God-breathed that came out of his very own lips and is good for doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness. That's what the Torah is. Once you get saved, how do you walk in righteousness? before a true and living God. So today I want to start with Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14 is one that people often quote to me as, this says nothing is unclean of itself. To which I say, does it really? Let's go back and take a look. Romans chapter 14 verse 1 says, receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to disputes over doubtful things. The first thing you have to ask is, does the Apostle Paul consider the commandments of God doubtful things? The answer to that's going to be no. What he considers doubtful things are the man-made rules and regulations of the rabbis and the Pharisees. If God said, thou shalt not eat a pig, then don't eat a pig. But if the Pharisee says, you can't eat lamb on Mondays or Thursdays, that's a doubtful thing. If it didn't come from God, then why are we following man-made rules and regulations? First question you need to ask is, why do I say Paul does not consider the commandments of God doubtful things? Well, let's look at his own words. In Acts chapter 24, starting in verse 14, the Apostle Paul is defending himself before Felix. And he says in verse 14 to Felix, the governor, But this I confess to you, that according to the way, and remember in Acts chapter 9, the believers in Messiah were initially called the way, or in Hebrew, Haderic, because Messiah said in John 14:6, I am the way. So the believers initially who followed Messiah were called the way. Anyway, he says, But this I confess to you, that according to the way which they call a sect, meaning just another sect of Judaism, they had the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Essenes, and the way. It was just another group of Jews who believed in Messiah. So I worship the God of my fathers, it goes on to say in verse 14, believing all things which are written in the law and in the prophets. If Paul says he believes all things which are written in the law and in the prophets, then he does not consider the law to be a doubtful thing. And we can look also in Acts chapter 28 again at Paul's own words. Paul is in prison in Rome. He will die soon thereafter. But he says in verse 17, And it came to pass after three days that Paul called the leaders of the Jews together, so when they come together, he said to them, Men and brethren, though I have done nothing against our people 
or the customs of our fathers. Yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans, who, when he examined me, wanted to let me go, because there was no case for putting me to death. Again, Paul says, Men and brethren, although I have done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers, if the Apostle Paul was teaching people to break the commandments of God, that those commandments were doubtful things, then he would be lying to these Jewish leaders. And if you know something about the Apostle Paul, his faith was very strong, and he does not lie. So let's go back to Romans chapter 14 and read on. Verse 1 said, Receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to disputes over doubtful things. For, this for is because, here's why he's bringing up this topic. For one believes he may eat all things. So people say, aha, Wayne, they're eating pigs. No, let's read on. But he who is weak eats only vegetables. So the one who's eating all things, that's the way Paul describes eating meat as well as vegetables. So a good lamb chop, a good T-bone steak, that's what he's including as all things. It's meat and vegetables versus vegetables alone. Now, in Romans 14, we're going to talk about food. That we're going to talk about days of the week. We're going to go back and talk about food. We're going to go back and forth. And people think, well, Paul just can't stay on one topic. But he is staying on a topic. There is a rabbinical rule in the Bible that the Pharisees require their people to fast on Mondays and Thursdays every week. They fast twice a week. It's not a complete fast like Yom Kippur. They can have vegetables and they can have water, but they're not allowed to eat meat. They're not allowed to drink wine. Where is that referenced in the Bible? It's just a passing reference to it in Luke chapter 18, verse 12. Messiah is talking about a Pharisee versus a tax collector. And in Luke 18, verse 12, the Pharisees brag, and I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. Ask yourself, did God command that fast twice a week? No, he did not. Did he command the Pharisee to give tithes of all that he possesses? No, that's not what the law requires. Those are rabbinic rules. And the Pharisee is bragging not that he keeps the commandments of God, but that he keeps the commandments of the scribes and the Pharisees. That's what's at issue back here in Romans 14. Now let's see if that gives you a different understanding of the chapter as we read. So verse 2, one believes he may eat all things. So on Monday and Thursdays, instead of eating just vegetables and drinking water, he's having his lamb chops and his T-bone steaks. But he was weak, eats only vegetables. Weak in the faith, he doesn't know the difference between the commandments of God and the commandments of the rabbis. Verse 3 says, Let not him who eats despise him who does not eat. So the one sitting back and eating their lamb chop or T-bone steak is not to despise the one who's afraid to do that. Afraid that maybe the scribes and the Pharisees are right and that they have to fast twice a week. They don't know the scripture well enough to know God did not command that. So don't despise him. He's doing what he thinks is right, 
even though it's not correct. Teach him, instruct him, but don't despise him. It says, let not him who does not eat judge him who eats, for God has received him. So the one who's fasting every Monday and Thursday should not judge the one who's eating the meat as breaking the commandments of God because that's not the origin of the commandment. So the man who's following God's law and not man's law is not doing anything wrong. So he should not be judged. Verse 4 says, Who are you to judge another's servant? So if the one who's eating the lamb chop or the T-bone steak is being observant of the commandments of the Lord our God, he is serving the Lord our God, he is not to be judged for that service, not to be judged a sinner. It says, to his own master he stands or falls. That is, God will judge come judgment day. Did he do what God commanded or didn't he? Because if you read in the scripture, come judgment day, we're judged according to the books. And the Bible writers just assume you understand the books. The first book is the book of the law, the Torah, what God's commandments are, what we should have done. Second one's called the book of deeds. What did we actually do? And you know what? We're all going to come up short. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. That's why there's a third book, the Lamb's Book of Life. Make sure your name's in that one. So verse 4, who are you to judge another's servant? To his own master he stands or he falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. So the one that's being obedient to God does not need to worry about judgment day. In fact, is that not what Psalm 119 says? Let's take just a minute and look back at Psalm 119. The entire psalm is about how happy one will be come judgment day if they're obedient to God. So look at Psalm 119 verse 1. Psalm 119 is an acrostic psalm, which means the first eight verses all start with the first Hebrew letter, Aleph. The next eight, the second Hebrew letter, Beit, and following all the way through the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet. So verse 1 says, Blessed, but blessed is not a correct translation. Blessed is the word Baruch. This is the word Ashrei, which means happy. Come judgment day, one will be happy if what? Happy are the undefiled, that word tamim means without spot or blemish, in the way. The way of God, just as Yeshua or Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way. And how in Acts chapter 9, the first believers in the church were called the way. So blessed are those that are without spot or blemish in the way, who walk in the law of the Lord. Since we're being judged on Judgment Day, did you follow God's commandments or not? And that's not for salvation. No, salvation is by faith. 1 Corinthians 3 says, No other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Messiah Yeshua. What you're judged on on Judgment Day is, were you saved by faith? And then, did you keep God's commandments after you were saved? Did you do what was right or what was wrong? So blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Back to Romans chapter 14. Verse 5. One person esteems one day above another. 
This is not talking about the Sabbath. It's the Monday-Thursday fast. The rabbi said that Moses went up on Mount Sinai on Monday and that he returned on a Thursday. And that's why they commanded that partial fast every Monday and Thursday to commemorate Moses' ascension up Mount Sinai to get the Ten Commandments from God and his return to give them to the people. Did God command us to fast in those days? He did not. So one person esteems one day above another. Another esteems every day alike. That is, I eat meat Monday through the end of the week. It says, let each one be fully convinced in his own mind. Do you understand the scriptures well enough to know what God commanded? If not... Go back and read the book of Deuteronomy, because all the commandments that you and I are supposed to follow are in Deuteronomy. Most of them we follow just because. Did God really need to tell us, thou shalt not commit murder? Most of us know committing murder would be bad. Not to steal, not to commit adultery. So most of those are obvious to us. Some of them, like remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, don't eat unclean meats like shrimp, lobsters, pigs, etc. And keep the feasts and festivals of Leviticus 23 that teach the first and second coming of the Lord. Those are not quite as obvious. So you've got to study to understand exactly what God wants from us. Verse 6 says, He who observes the day, observes it to the Lord. And he who does not observe the day to the Lord, he does not observe it. It's not talking about Sabbath. Read the rest of the verse. He who eats, eats to the Lord. That is, those who eat the lamb and the beef on Mondays and Thursdays. For he gives God thanks. And we're going to talk about 1 Timothy chapter 3 in a while. And he who does not eat, to the Lord he does not eat and gives God thanks. So he gives God praise and thanks for the vegetables and the water. Verse 7, for none of us lives to himself and no one dies to himself. Meaning... We live according to the word of God, not according to the dictates of our own heart. If I say, I'm not going to listen to God, I'm going to do what I think is right. Well, then we're walking in sin. Verse 8 says, For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Messiah died and rose and lived again, that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. But why do you judge your brother, or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Messiah. So at the judgment seat of Messiah, he will tell us, were we right or were we wrong? If we were wrong, we will regret it. If we were right, we will be happy. Verse 11, for it is written, written where? Written in the Old Testament. Doesn't Paul tell us to forget the Old Testament? No, quite to the contrary. In chapter 15, he tells us we are to learn from it. So for it's written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. That's a statement about Judgment Day. We will all stand before the Lord in judgment. And if we have done well, we'll receive a reward. If not, well, we suffer the consequences. Verse 12, So then each of us shall give account of himself to God. 
Therefore let us not judge one another any more, but rather resolve this, not to put a stumbling block or cause to fall in our brother's way. So Paul's going to come down to the point and say, if my eating meat on Mondays and Thursdays is going to cause my brothers to fall, to think that I'm not teaching God's word properly, so that they will not turn and accept Messiah, so I'll never eat meat again. That's his bottom line. Don't let, whether you do or don't fast on Mondays and Thursdays, be a stumbling block to somebody else coming to faith in Messiah. Verse 14 is the verse that causes so much confusion. It says, I know and am convinced by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself. But to him who considers anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. That statement in English says, go ahead and eat anything you want. It's fine with God. But that's not what the Greek says. It's translated completely wrong. The Greek word for unclean is akathartos. The word akathartos is not in this verse. Do you remember in Acts chapter 10 when Peter said, I've never eaten anything common or unclean? There, unclean is akathartos, and the word common is koinon. The word in verse 14, every time you see the word unclean, is koinon, which means common, not unclean. If something is common, it may be forbidden by the rabbis, but it's not forbidden by God. So Peter, he'd been following the rabbinic rules as well as God's rules. And Peter um, did not always have the greatest insight. He was just a common fisherman from Galilee. So what, Peter, what Paul is saying is here is, I know and convinced by the Lord Yeshua that there is nothing common of itself, but to anyone who considers anything to be common, Tim, it's common. So if you believe the rabbis that you can't eat meat on Mondays and Thursdays, then you don't eat meat on Mondays and Thursdays. It's common. It's something that they prohibit. But it doesn't mean it's prohibited by God. Verse 15 says, Yet if your brother is grieved because of your food, you're no longer walking in love. Do not destroy with your food the one for whom Messiah died. Do I have to eat lamb or beef on Mondays and Thursdays? No, I don't have to. If it's going to cause someone to turn away from Messiah because they think I'm teaching them to sin, then that's wrong. I need to lead people to Messiah, not away from Messiah. That's what Paul's getting at here. Verse 16, Therefore do not let your good be spoken of as evil, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness. Righteousness is the opposite of lawlessness. Lawlessness is breaking God's commandments. Righteousness is walking in them, keeping the commandments of God. And peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So if I skip eating meat on Mondays and Thursdays in this world and enjoy an eternity with my Messiah in heaven, what have I lost? I've lost nothing. If I cause a young believer to stumble and to turn away from God, then I've done something very wrong. Even the angels in heaven rejoice when even one gets saved and comes to the Lord. How could I possibly want to keep somebody from coming to faith?
Verse 18 says, For he who serves Messiah in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. And that's what this chapter is about. It's about don't let my desire to eat meat on Monday and Thursday drive away some weak in the faith young believer because they think I'm teaching them to do something wrong. That's what this chapter is about. Now let's go over to 1 Timothy chapter 4 because it's another chapter where people say, ah ha ha, it says here I can eat pigs if I want to. No, it doesn't. If you want to know for sure, how can I you be so sure, Wayne, that eating pigs is so wrong? Read first, uh, well, let's go to Isaiah 66. Let's just turn there for a minute. Isaiah 66, verses 14 to 17. What do you know about the prophets of God? Every word they prophesy has to come true. That's Deuteronomy 18. If a prophet is a true prophet of God, then every word they prophesy comes to pass. And in verse 14 of Isaiah 66, it says, When you see this, that is the Lord coming to defend Jerusalem, your heart shall rejoice and your bones shall flourish like grass. It's about the second coming of the Lord, which hasn't happened yet. The hand of the Lord, that's his blessing and protection, shall be known to his servants and his indignation to his enemies. For behold, the Lord will come with fire, fire's judgment and prophecy, and with his chariots like a whirlwind. That's the speed at which God's judgment comes and the fact that you cannot stand in its way. To render his anger with fury and his rebuke with flames of fire. For by fire and by his sword, the Lord will judge all flesh. This is at the second coming, the battle of Armageddon, the sheep and goats judgment, Matthew 24 and 25. For by fire and by his sword the Lord will judge all flesh, and the slain of the Lord shall be many. Verse 17 tells who's in real trouble. Those who sanctify themselves and purify themselves to go to the gardens after an idol in the midst. Those are the ones that are worshipping the Antichrist. Take the mark of the beast and do idol worship. And then it says, eating swine's flesh. Swine is a pig. And the abomination, as the other unclean foods, the unclean meats of Leviticus chapter 11, and the mouse, while the mouse includes things like squirrels and rabbits, etc., shall be consumed together, says the Lord. So Isaiah the prophet says, when the Lord returns in judgment, if you are eating unclean animals that God prohibited in Leviticus 11, Messiah himself will kill you. That means that there's not going to be anything in the New Testament that says, okay, it's all right to eat pigs and shrimps and lobsters and rabbits and rats, etc. There's not going to be. Or the prophet wouldn't say, Messiah, when he returns, is going to kill you dead. You might think, well, maybe he's going to kill me so I can get to heaven quicker. But no, that's not at all what it means. So back to 1 Timothy chapter 4. Now the Spirit, talking about the Holy Spirit, expressly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. There are actually preachers out there that say God's commandments are from deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. That's called blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. 
And if you want to do something that is absolutely hard to come back from, there's a sin you might enjoy. Don't do that. So, expressly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy. God said, thou shalt not lie. Giving heed to the, see, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron, which means they've been in sin so long they don't recognize sin anymore. Here's some of the things that they command. Forbidding to marry. Do God's commandments forbid us to marry? No. They encourage us to marry and not divorce. They encourage us to replenish the earth and repopulate. They do not forbid us to marry. That's ascetic Gnosticism that forbids to marry. Um, and, and commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. Psalm 119 verse 142 says the Torah is truth. So if you know the commandments of God, you know which foods God created to be received with thanksgiving. Verse 4 says, for every creature of God is good and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving. This is where I've heard so many preachers go astray. They put a period there. Look at your Bible. There's not a period. There's a comma. It says, for, because it is sanctified by the word of God in prayer. So let's break this verse down. Every creature of God is good. If you go back to Genesis 1, all of creation is good. Every creature is good, but not every creature is food. There's a difference. It says, and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving, for it's sanctified by the word of God. Sanctified means set apart and made holy. That is, in Leviticus 11, did God say you can eat it? If God said you can eat it, then it is sanctified by the word of God. And prayer means, and if you give God thanks for it. One of the problems with the northern kingdom of Israel is when the crops would come in, they would go and give thanks to Baal and Ishtar pagan gods and goddesses. You and I don't do that. We give thanks to God. So verse 5 says it must be sanctified or set apart by God to be eaten as clean food, and then you must give God thanks for it. Well, you might say, well, when were animals declared clean or unclean? Isn't that part of the Torah? And the answer is it precedes the Torah by a long way. Let's go back to the book of Genesis chapter 7, which is about the flood. Most people, when I ask, how many animals of each kind did Noah take on the ark? They say he took two of each kind. That's not what the Bible says. In Genesis chapter 7, verse 1, it says, Then the Lord said to Noah, Come into the ark, you and all your household, because I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. You shall take with you seven each. It's actually seven pairs. In Hebrew it says, Sheva, Sheva, Ishva, Ishto. So it's seven mating pairs, the male and the female that mate together. So it says, um, you shall take with you seven each, seven pairs of every clean animal, a male and his female, to each of animals that are unclean, a male and his female. 
Were there any Jews in the world when God wrote this? The answer is no. The Jews don't come about for a long time after this. Animals were clean or unclean from creation. It's not that they weren't good. They're good. They have their purpose. They're just not food. So the reason Noah took seven pairs of each clean animal, but only one pair of each unclean animal, is because Noah and his family were not going to eat the unclean animals. You can't sacrifice unclean animals to God, and you don't eat them. So does 1 Timothy tell us that we can eat pigs? No. Pigs were not sanctified by God. The lambs were, the goats were, the cows were, but in Leviticus 11, it tells you specifically that pigs are prohibited. They're unclean. And the words in Leviticus chapter 11 in Hebrew are lo tochlu. He says it over and over again. Lo tochlu means you shall not ever eat them. Well, we're coming to the end of our time for today. I would encourage you, if you want to know more about these topics, go to my website at john1415.org. And in there you will find Bible studies in MP3 format that take each book of the Bible and go chapter by chapter, verse by verse. The object is to see what does the Bible say. Messiah kept saying, you've heard it said, but I tell you it's written. My purpose is not to teach you doctrine, but the Bible.